This episode of Reaction Time Sports is brought to you by The Racing Insiders, your one-stop pit stop for everything NASCAR. From ARCA, Trucks, Xfinity, and the Cup Series, all the in-season news and race recaps are in the palm of your hands. Winter months got you down because there's no cars on the racetrack? No need to worry, as they have you covered with all the breaking news during the off-season. Go to TheRacingInsiders.com or find them on Facebook and Twitter at The Racing Insiders. The Racing Insiders, your insider source for everything NASCAR and a proud sponsor of Reaction Time Sports. Episode 5 of Reaction Time Sports is here today. I am Mark Myroff, the crew chief and the host of the show. And with me today, I have a very special guest with me. It was originally supposed to be Daniel Suarez, but he's still trying to figure out uh, how to take a green flag here in the 2020 NASCAR season. But it is the owner and lead editor of the Racing Insiders, a proud sponsor of Reaction Time Sports, and he's also an avid NASCAR fan. Please welcome to the show, Tim Shinjin, how's it going, buddy? How you doing today? Hey, doing very good, Mark. Nice, uh, nicely talking with you tonight. Absolutely, man. I know we were. Uh, I've been really pushing to get you on the show just because of what you've had going on in the first couple weeks of the NASCAR season. But I totally understand that uh, you have been busy with your media obligations and everything. And I'm just finally uh, ecstatic that we were actually able to have this opportunity to have you come on the show. Definitely, yeah, well, yeah. We were in down or down in Daytona for a little over a week, and uh, <laughs> that was pretty busy. And um, already just trying to get back home and getting caught up on articles. Uh, it's been a busy time for us. Oh, I can only imagine, man. Like you said, you're gone for so long, and on top of that, too, you also do other. Also, I have other media obligations outside of the Racing Insider. So I'm sure, like you just said, you had to get caught up on all that and get caught up on work and kind of get back into the daily flow. While we get things kicked off here really quick, you know, we did uh, we did have another race on Sunday over in uh, good old Sin City, Las Vegas. All three uh, series were racing this weekend. You know, Friday night kicked off with the truck series and Kyle Busch, uh, he decided to show up and uh, show them boys what was going on and dominated the entire truck race, basically, and really only had uh, mostly his competition came on uh, restarts. And then once he was able to get that clean air, he was long gone. Yeah, that and and that was probably to be expected. Uh, he ended up leading a uh, hundred, a hundred and ten laps out of the hundred and thirty-four that were at the race. And uh, I think if anyone counted on anyone else to win other than Kyle Busch, uh, they need to follow NASCAR a little bit more. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. There was definitely a lot circling around once they had announced that uh, Kyle was going to run that truck race on Friday night. A lot of people were like, "Well." I think we can write him, write his name on the trophy. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, that's the one thing I liked about the truck series is even though, you know, you had a guy like Kyle Busch in there, I mean, I don't know if you watched the race personally, but, you know, I watched the entire thing Friday night, and the racing was good. The racing was really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The truck series always provides fantastic racing, and it's very interesting where some of the top contenders moved on from the truck series, now the Xfinity series, and the same was for the Xfinity Series back to the Cup Series. There was so much rotation over the off season, uh, you know, kind of, you know, Daytona is its almost own season for how long it is that drivers are down there for two weeks. So it kind of really actually kick-started the season. 
And uh, if it wasn't for Kyle Busch in the race, uh, I think we would have had a battle with a good 10 car or 10 trucks that could have easily won that race. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with you there. And, um, you know, and you know, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of negativity out there about Kyle running the truck race and everything. But you know what? He, he's still a racer. He he wants to drive. I mean, he's going to get behind the wheel of anything that he can get behind the wheel of and race, you know. And on top of that, too, in my opinion, it makes the other guys on the track in the truck series better. That is very true. And I think NASCAR has found a, a very good balance for how many races these cup drivers can compete in the Xfinity series and the truck series. Um, it's definitely beneficial probably to these series to be able to have some of these big names there. And I think some of the drivers enjoy it. Or I, I'm pretty sure all the drivers enjoy it. I don't know if they would enjoy it if Kyle Busch was at the track every week, but having that five race limit this season for the first time being at five races, I, I think it's a good fit that NASCAR's put that into place for, for, for both the truck series and the Xfinity series. No, I and I do. I I like that as well. I'm glad that they did implement that into place um, to, you know, kind of balance it out and everything. Because, I mean, that's what these, you know, the Xfinity series and the truck series as far as, you know, these guys, you know, they've paved the way for themselves and now they're getting an opportunity on the national spotlight. And this is the time for them to make their hay. That is very true. And especially the truck series. Yes, it's a national tour tour and series. However, it still has that grassroots feel. I mean, a lot of these teams, some of the smaller ones, I mean, they, they've come to the track in an open trailer, you know, vehicle, and they, you know, they pull right up onto the racetrack like that. So it still kind of has a grassroots feel similar to the ARCA series, but it is on a more wider global stage. Right, yeah, I mean, like you said, grassroots. I mean, that's what that's what we're doing during the summer. Every you know, every weekend we're rolling up to the track with our open trailer and going out there and ripping the sprint right. car around. And I think that's the appeal to it. I mean, you're you're seeing people and NASCAR fans wanting more and more content. And I think with the merge that NASCAR did with ARCA series, they're getting more ARCA content. You know, we all hear about Haley Deegan and how big of a star she. You know, she's pretty much expected to be one day. What was the Canon Pro Series, which now merged with ARCA? And, I mean, even just some of this grassroots racing, uh, you know, I think NBC Gold ended up starting their new program just in February of the different types of series that they're going to be highlighting. And they've already have subscribers, close to 100,000 subscribers, with just in the first week of them launching that system. Right. So you definitely can see these NASCAR fans wanting to experience even the local small grassroots racing, which is fantastic for everyone around. Absolutely. I'm all for it. And actually, to be quite honest with you, uh, before we got rolling here tonight, I was watching the ARCA West Series on NBC Sports, uh, watching Sam Meyer win that race out there at the Vegas Bull Ring, And then after that was... Um, NASCAR presents the racing life. And then the episode after that was the Neil Bonnet episode. Yeah, definitely. And that's a great platform to follow. And uh, they all do a fantastic job, uh, a fantastic job with it. And uh, the quality is really good. It was, it was fair choice TV before it, it was a free system. They did not really have the amount of content that they have now, but the fact that you can subscribe to this program for $2 and some change a month, it, it's, there's no question that 
that would be a fantastic purchase for for any racing fan or sports fan just in general to to, to be able to follow some of those grassroots people because uh those people are going to be the stars of nascar in probably five six years absolutely yep that's where it all starts and uh, i mean they're like you said they move they're at they're in my opinion they're moving up a lot faster nowadays than they were before and like you said the next five to six years those are going to be the people that are going to be behind some of these premier cup rides and we'll have to see how the bounty gate goes on kyle bush kevin harvick putting up some change so we'll have to see how that goes in the truck series this year yeah, yeah, I I've been kind of following that, and that that has been pretty interesting. A fifty thousand uh, dollars bounty on on Kyle Busch for the next four races that Kyle will be competing in, um, and then uh, the president of Camping World uh, also doing the same, or Gander Outdoors. I'm sorry, after they merged Gander Outdoors, also putting up another fifty thousand. There's been a there's been a few rumbles of a few different drivers possibly considering that i guess you could say so we'll kind of see we'll we'll kind of see uh if that forms in anything but hundred thousand dollars is quite a it's quite a bit of money i i'm pretty sure we're going to see someone come from the cup series to try to to to, to try to challenge oh i'm sure uh, jamie or um, i'm sorry uh, kyle bush on that Oh, I'm sure. It, it, like I said, I'm with you right there. I'm I'm very interested to see who either maybe might come down and take a shot at it, or you know what would be really cool is somebody who is a truck series regular and they hit it that night and blow Kyle out of the water, and you know maybe be like an Austin Hill or you know I mean Crafton, he's one of the series veterans, but you know it, I love Crafton as a driver. You know, just one of them guys maybe. It, it's going to be fun to watch. Definitely, and I think the biggest thing that everyone's hoping for is that when and if it comes down to this, that it definitely is raced off the racetrack, that it isn't, you know, Kyle gets wrecked out or that there's a mechanical problem, but it, it, it's actually that they beat Kyle Bush on the track. And uh, I think both Kevin um, and the series director have, have definitely hyped up the series. And I'm pretty sure the next time you see Kyle Bush at the truck series, uh, that's going to get a little bit of a, a, a boost in, in ratings for viewers. I, I think all eyes are going to really be on that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's circulating all over all the media platforms. It's been on Twitter. It's been on, you know, uh, NASCAR America, Race Hub, and everything. It's been talked about. So when that day comes, it's going to be a fun one to watch. That is definitely true, yes. That's for the trucks on Friday. So then Xfinity was, uh, they... They ended up getting 50 laps in on Saturday before uh, before the rains started coming down in Vegas, which is very rare. Um, so they ended up having yeah. to get postponed until Sunday night after the cup race. And when they did actually get back going, um, Chase Briscoe, a uh, actual driver that came up through the dirt ranks, he's raced some USAC sprint car stuff, some champ car stuff and everything. He got his first win in the Xfinity Series. So, I, you know, for me, that was awesome to watch, just seeing another dirt guy go out there and uh, he's in some good equipment with Stuart Haas and everything. And uh, yeah, or, yeah, uh, definitely. Well, uh, his first win in Las Vegas, this is his third win overall. He won the Roval in 2018 and then uh, Iowa Speedway. He won last year. And I, I actually talked to Chase um, after Iowa uh, last summer in August. He absolutely loves being a part of Stuart Haas racing. He's not necessarily signed with Stuart Haas, He's more signed with Ford Performance, and Ford works with Stuart Haas to put him in that ride. Right. He absolutely loves being a part of that, a part of that ride. And then I was, I was kind of listening to a few other interviews that, that he's done, 
um, just since Daytona, and he thinks he could easily win seven to ten races in twenty in in twenty twenty, and uh, he's definitely shown that uh, he's definitely capable of of doing that. Eighty nine laps he ended up leading um, over the duration of Saturday and Sunday. Um, oh. Justin Allgaier was uh, did, did sixty three, but uh, I mean, other than that, those were kind of the two main leaders uh, throughout the day. Um, I'm very curious to see if Chase Briscoe does can win that seven to ten, which I very much believe that he's capable based on the drivers we currently have in the Xfinity series. Where will that put him come 2021? Will we see him in a Cup Series ride? Um, I wouldn't be surprised by it. Nope, I definitely agree with you there. He um, he's definitely got the talent to do it, and he's proven it. And it, like you said, it'll be interesting to see if that uh, translates the rest of the season, and uh, if that is the case. Uh, you know, there's been some talks about, you know, Boyer's getting up there in age and, you know, what's Stuart Haas going to do there. And then also, too, you know, there's mm-hmm. also with, you know, for performance, you know, uh, Ryan Newman's situation potentially, you know, is, you know, obviously he's coming back from mm-hmm. the injury and everything. Is that number six ride potentially going to be open next year? And plus with all the Penske stuff moving around, too, with Keselowski, I mean, there's going to be some Ford rides open. There, I have a feeling there will be some Ford, Ford rides open and, uh, there's no doubt that Chase Briscoe is the leading Ford Ford performance driver right now that's currently not in the Cup Series. You would have to look at Chase Briscoe. And I think Austin Sendrick, who, who, who's already with Penske Racing, is definitely a close second. He won two races last year, and I expect to see him win uh, definitely a handful of races in 2020 as well. Yeah, he's another very good talent down there in the Xfinity series and the in the twenty two ride there and definitely there's been the rumblings as well. Is he the uh the heir apparent to the to the to the deuce? Yeah, and, and, and that's definitely possible. I know I think Brad Keselowski was asked again just this past weekend at Las Vegas, you know, does he think you'll be out of the ride and stuff? You could tell he's starting to kinda of get almost annoyed by that question. He's been asked that since the crew chief swap started happening in, in mid-January earlier this year, I think a lot of people are looking at potentially some drivers shuffling going around there. I don't see really Brian Blaney leaving, even though I, he does have a contract up at the end of this year. And I'm pretty sure Joey Logano will stay. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to argue to let someone like Brad Keselowski go. Maybe Brad's looking for something different. Absolutely, and uh, that'll definitely be a topic of discussion, you know, throughout the rest of the season, and then of course when we start getting into the uh, the NASCAR silly season of everything and kind of seeing where things play out. I know there's been a lot of rumblings and rumors of what potentially could happen with Keselowski, but uh, I think we're going to save that for another episode, and we'll get some more hot takes on that. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I, I do think I think silly seasons are going to come early, much harder and much sooner than ever before. I, I mean, just this afternoon um, on my website, theracinginsiders.com, we ended up, I already wrote my first silly season article, I guess you can almost say, because uh, when we were in Daytona, I talked to Ty Dillon briefly, um, and I kind of asked him, I said, well, you know, I ended up seeing that over the off season, you have signed with Kevin Harvick, Inc., which at the time, you know, back in the day was a, was a nationwide series team, Xfinity series team. Um, but now has turned into kind of a, a marketing company 
um, and representation for different people in sports and music and entertainment. Um, and they signed Ty, Ty Dillon over the off season. And I ended up asking Ty, I said, what made you decide to be, you know, to sign with an agency like that? And he specifically, you know, he flat out said, he says, you have no, you never know what rides might open up next season. Right. So you could already kind of see some of these drivers possibly looking already towards 2021. Um, it's been kind of widely published that Corey LaJoy wrote a letter to Rick Hendricks telling him how, you know, why, why he would love to work and race for uh, Hendrick Motorsports come 2021 because there might be a few rides open there. Yep. We know Jimmy Johnson's retiring for sure. So uh, silly season's always very exciting. And uh, it's, I have a feeling it's going to really kind of get the ball rolling, you know, possibly as early as mid-April. I think that would be something fun to, to uh, when that time comes and things start trickling down. I think we should have a NASCAR silly season episode. Definitely. Well, uh, you might be able to have a few of those because I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of shuffling going around, especially with the new, the next gen car coming along. And they're expecting by April 1st to have the new 2021 NASCAR schedules released. And it sounds like there's going to be a bunch of changes there. So this will be a very, uh, very busy year of uh, changes as we prepare for 2021. And definitely, uh, Stay tuned to this podcast and our website at theracinginsiders.com because uh, we'll keep you all all up to date on what's happening. Absolutely, man, and definitely stay tuned because uh, don't think you're getting off the hook that easy. We're definitely bringing you back for more insight. <laughs> that sounds good. I will be here. Perfect, man. Well, let's uh, let's get to things on Sunday and everything. Uh, Cup Series was at uh, Las Vegas. It was a pretty, uh, you know, it, it, in my opinion, the racing was really, really good. Um, I thought it was some of the better racing that we've seen in a while, in a while, even though this package is, has his up and downs and everything, but I thought the racing at Vegas was very, very good. Uh, Joey Logano ended up winning for the second year in a row at Las Vegas. He took home the checkered flag, uh, coming in second was Matt DiBiendetto, which was a, uh, you know, the best finish for him in his second race in the Paul Wood 21 or the Wood Brothers 21, sorry. Um, coming in third was, uh, Wreck-It Ricky Stenhouse and previous Dumpster Fire Award winner on the show. So he took home third, Austin Dillon fourth and uh, good old seven time coming in fifth. That was your top five. Uh, what's your thoughts on the top five there, Tim? Uh, definitely. I, I think it's very interesting to kind of see how some of these drivers formulated towards the top. Yes, there was a caution towards the end of the race, but I, I actually think pretty much the entire top 10, they didn't just get there by luck. It wasn't a fuel mileage race. These cars competed fairly well throughout, throughout most of the day, probably more in the fifth through 15th place. And they were able to move up a few spots because a few drivers such as Ryan Blaney and Alex Bowman ended up hitting. This was not just, Oh, this is very lucky for, for Di Benedetto or Stenhouse or Bubba Wallace who finished sixth. I think this might be something that will kind of continue throughout 2020. And the reason why I say that is, you know, as we were talking earlier in 2021, we're going to see the next gen car come to flourish and, and, you know, debut. A lot of these teams have, or a, a lot of the big teams such as Stuart Haas racing or Penske racing and Richard Childress, they ended up, recycling a lot of their cars they already had for 2019 
because they're only allowed to have so many cars in 2020 yep. as they prepare for 2021. So, for instance, Go Fast Racing and Corey LaJoy, they ended up getting a fleet full of Stuart Haas racing Fords, which is why I think we saw Corey LaJoy be so strong at the Daytona 500 and had a 16th place finish this past week in, in Las Vegas. Same thing with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. being able to get some cars from Hendrick Motorsports. They're actually Hendrick Motorsports cars that were sold to JTG Doherty Racing. And you're able to kind of see see that kind of grow. Bubba Wallace, the car that he was racing, was a Richard Childress racing car in 2019. So I'm very curious to kind of see some of these smaller teams and some of the ones that we didn't really hear about, how this is going to evolve throughout 2020 because they're in different type of equipment that a lot of these teams have ever had or really have ever been in before. That's very interesting. I actually, um, that's the first time I've been made aware of that. I'm, I'm, that was actually really, really good. And I'm, I did not know that, that, uh, that definitely changes things in my eyes, you know, now knowing that, um, you got these guys, like you said, these, these smaller teams that are getting these, you know, these chassis that have come from RCR or RCR Hendrick, yeah, Stuart Haas and all that stuff. And these are cars that, you know, are coming from them big teams that have the money that were, you know, built with the best technology and gone through all the wind tunnel and whatnot. I mean, yeah, these are stout chassis that these cars, that these teams are getting. Correct. And, uh, and, you know, a, a lot of them already kind of, we're working in joint, you know, joint partnerships. Penske's always worked with Wood Brothers. Hendrick Motorsports has always worked with JTG. So a lot of these partnerships were always in place, but now they're actually getting the physical cars that, that the team used to race. And I think that definitely just kind of makes it even better for, for that team to be able to have. And another thing that I think kind of plays into fact, especially at Las Vegas, and I'm very curious to see how this works this upcoming weekend at Auto Club and Phoenix and Atlanta and so forth, is they've rearranged the stage length where it used to be where the first half of the race were supposed to be stage one and stage two, and then the last half is just stage three. And I think how they kind of split it up similar to a hockey game where the three stage lengths are similar, I think that played a pretty big factor into Las Vegas where some of these teams, such as Ty Dillon and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., were able to gamble a little bit more when their pit stops were and we're able to kind of save a little bit of extra fuel. And it just kind of, it, it broke up the race properly. I know a lot of people don't like stage racing, but I mean, the restarts at Las Vegas were phenomenal. I mean, six wide on the white flag of a green, white checkered. Oh, it's I, don't out of control. I don't know if you could ask for, you know, I don't know if you could ask for anything better than that. No, Especially you, at you, Las Vegas, we weren't even at Talladega. So right. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I'm very curious. I'm very curious to see how these stage links are going to, how they have changed, how that's going to kind of play into strategy for some of these teams. Is uh, I think uh, Brian Patty and uh, JTG Dirty Racing had everyone caught off guard because uh, I was even watching the Fox broadcast and, and they were saying, we're not sure what Ricky Stenhouse is doing right now, but he hasn't come in and pit and everyone else has 10 laps to go. He was running but that thing out of gas. He kind of, right. And you can kind of see that there were they they had a plan and their plan form you know formated well around the three stage lengths and how much separation there was between them. 
and uh, you see Ricky finishes with a third place finish, and not too far down, uh, his teammate um, his teammate was running in the top five with just a few laps to go before you know he ended up having an engine failure. Yep, Ryan thirty seventh, but um, yeah, he he was in the top five with you know less than ten laps to go. So yeah, he was right um, up there. I'm I'm very curious to kind of see how that progression works as we continue throughout uh, throughout twenty twenty as well. Well, that little bit of information that you just gave me there has got me more hype now to figure out or to see what's going to happen throughout the rest of the season and already see what's going to happen at California this weekend where on restarts five, six wide is normal there and there's like multiple racing lanes. I, I mean, this is going to be some great racing. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm expecting Auto Club to be a, a fantastic race. Um, it always is. It, it's usually a fairly green race. And what I mean by that, there's there's not too many – there's not too much contact or contact on the racetrack. It's not a short track in any way, especially with, with how this arrow package is where the cars behind are so much faster than the cars in front. Um, I think you're going to see those wide, the wide wingspans of that four or five wide race in which we've seen in Las Vegas, quite a few drivers getting cut down tires, chase Elliott while leading, cutting down a tire and, uh, Christopher Bell had one of those. Ross Chastain in the six had one of those. So I I think you're going to see kind of a similar product uh, when when we go to Auto Club. Um, we're going to have to see if those Toyotas can uh, can find a little bit of uh, a li- a little bit more speed than what they did um, at Las Vegas. However, usually historically Fords are dominant at Las Vegas, and they were very strong uh, this week. Uh, Kyle Busch only has one win at Las Vegas, and uh, that was uh, almost ten years ago, I believe. I can't can't remember. I think it's actually I believe it's over ten years ago now. So I think it was 2009. Kyle's pretty dominant when it comes to Auto Club Speedway. So we'll kind of we'll kind of have to keep an eye on that. Um, if, if you if you play fantasy, I would definitely have him as one of your picks. Absolutely. No, that, uh, that's always kind of, it could be an absolute flip-flop of last weekend, you know, that the Toyotas could be absolutely dominant at California. And the next thing you know, all the Fords are having problems, you know, we'd just kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's coming unpredictable and that's what we want to see in racing. We just don't want to see the top notch guys up front or the, the three big, you know, Hendrick Penske, um, Gibbs up front all the time. You know, it's good to see change. I like to see this. This is making good racing. It, it, we're only two races into the season. And like I said, Daytona is almost its own season. And, you know, they struggle at Las Vegas. One thing that a lot of people really did not pick up on, and I don't think they, they even broadcast in the television broadcast, but being down in the garage during the Daytona 500 is three of the Toyota cars from Joe Gibbs Racing ended the Daytona 500 due to engine failure. Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., and Christopher Bell they were all kind of caught up in wrecks, but they were all able to continue. And all of three of them eventually had overheating problems that ended up at, and ending their day. And it all happened within about 10 laps of each other. So that definitely tells me that it was something within the engine and that it wasn't just a fluke that they kind of all broke at one time. You could tell that they were all built the same because they all kind of went out at the same time. Right, yeah, that timing of how everything went, how everything played out and everything. I thought it was funny how Fox was like, oh, that smoke coming out of Kyle Busch's, he must have a tire up, and then they did a shot on the right side, and it was like, no, he's got he's got smoke coming out of the exhaust. He's blowing up. Right, yeah, yeah, you were able to tell. I mean, I, I could tell right away from the stance that that was not it. I, I ended up 
you know, I had a, I had a radio headset on. I went to his thing and there was Kyle Busch yelling at his crew chief saying, I was telling you that the car was overheating. His crew chief saying, Oh, I was on a different channel. I didn't hear you. So oh there was gosh. some miscommunication there. Right. Um, and, but you know, you could tell that, you know, that was an engine failure from there. Um, and the same thing as soon as Martin Truex Jr., he kind of got caught up in the big one. So he had a little bit of damage, but, uh, as soon as he started smoking, I went to his radio as well. And he says, temperatures at this. And eventually it was, it was the end of the day for him, um, after an engine expired as well. So we've never really seen that happen with Toyota hardly at all. Um, so we're, we'll be kind of interesting to kind of see if that continues, I, we didn't, we didn't really see engine issues for them at Las Vegas, but they definitely struggled from a power standpoint. So, um, maybe it's something over the off season that they thought they could, you know, get a leg up on and try and it's not working for them. We'll, we'll kind of have to see what, uh, what auto club brings to them because, uh, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch are, are pretty dominant there. So we'll, we'll have to see, we'll have to see how the hell they do. Absolutely, yeah. Previous history shows that, uh, like just like you said, Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin have a very good track record at Auto Club, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, Toyota's got uh, things turned around in, uh, in a track that they're historically good at to see if they can uh, keep up the dominance there. But um, just to kind of finish out uh, Sunday's action, like you already had mentioned, uh, Bubba Wallace came home sixth. Uh, or these are other notable finishes. Uh, Bubba Wallace sixth. Ty Dillon, 10th. Corey LaJoy, 16th. Uh, finishing 18th was Tyler Reddick. He was actually the highest finish finishing rookie in the race. Um, and then you also hit on Chase Elliott. He ended up coming home 26th after having a pretty dominant car all day. And then um, during a pit stop, uh, either a lug nut or something with the with the, uh, with the the gun hit the valve stem and busted it off, ending up causing a flat tire and, and uh, ended up going into the wall and getting some pretty significant damage that pretty much ended his day. Other small notes from the race, uh, the Penske Fords were strong all day. We touched on that. Uh, Ryan Blaney had a pretty strong car all day. He was up there leading up until that last caution. They decided to pit, and he uh, ended up finishing 11th. The Hendrick cars and the Chevys all looked good as well. Um, everybody's kind of saying, hey, Chevy's back. They've had six spots in the top 10. It's two races, so everybody just hold it for a second. We got to see what happens the next few races. <laughs> And then, uh, like we just touched on, the Toyota struggled most of the day. Kyle Busch finishing 15th. He was the highest finishing Toyota. Um, Denny had to start in the back because of uh, unapproved body adjustments that put him in the back. Truex had the issue. Eric Jones was pretty much a non-factor, and Christopher Bell wrecked as well. Uh, one other thing I want to touch on from Vegas with you, Tim, is that uh, you know before we had that last caution with Chastain spinning out there, coming off a of turn two, Alex Bowman was coming in pretty, pretty hot and heavy there, those closing laps, and he was closing that gap on Blaney pretty fast. Now, in my opinion, I'm, you know, just kind of seeing how the rate was coming down and, you know, with the laps winding down, I I think Bowman would have been there with about two to three to go, and I think he would have gotten around Blaney um, if that caution hadn't not come out. What do you, what do you think about that? Alex Bowman definitely would have caught Ryan Blaney. Um, but we even saw at Daytona, Ryan Blaney can block a car. He can make his car five lanes wide if he needs to. And at Las Vegas, that might, that might have been necessary. Yep. Um, there's no question Alex Bowman would have been able to catch Ryan Blaney. I don't know if he would have been able to get past Ryan Blaney. Unfortunately, that did not play out that way because that would have been awesome to kind of see that battle come down to the final few laps. 
Um, one of the things I, I do have to mention, like you mentioned, Chevrolet, very strong here at Las Vegas. All, all four of the Hendrick Motorsports uh, Chevrolets, I mean, they were battling for position within the top five, all of them at some point of the race, and a lot of them were doing fairly good. Like you said, Alex Bowman easily could have won that race uh, if we did not see that last caution. Chase Elliott was leading when he did cut the tire. Hopefully we kind of see Chevrolet kind of build back up and, you know, be competitive again, you know, for the, for, for the Chevrolet fans um, out there. And uh, I think that's something that Chevrolet is really looking at um, for, for 2020. Um, however, uh, you have to think in Las Vegas uh, in 2019, they were really strong as well. And a lot of people said Chevrolet's back because a lot of them competed in the top five. And uh, if it wasn't for, for Jimmy Johnson scraping the wall, this was been in March of 2019 when Jimmy Johnson scraped the wall, um, all the cars finished in the top 12 for Hendrick Motorsports. So Las Vegas, we'll kind of see if it was the same thing as 2019, where, yes, they had a very strong race, but then the rest of the season was not as strong. We'll, we'll kind of have to see how that plays out going to Auto Club, which is a very, you know, fast two-mile track. Like you said, it's kind of a 2019 rewriting itself over again. Um, I'm on the band. I'm on the bandwagon, hoping that Chevy's back. Um, they had a pretty rough year last year with the Camaro body and everything, and uh, you know, and they, they've got good drivers in the Chevy camp too. You know, with Hendrick and JTG and all of them guys in RCR. And uh, you just, like I said, you want competitive racing all the way around. And, um, you know, I think I want to believe that Chevy has made a good change with the body and everything. I think they've gotten that issue figured out. You know, I hope the success continues. I really do. I definitely think they're going to see them perform much stronger than they have. Let's just see if they're performing strong enough to, to win races and to outbeat Fords and Toyotas on a regular basis. Right on, man. Well, you know, we're going to take a quick commercial here very fast. And on the other side of that commercial, I want to get talking on the Racing Insiders and, you know, really spotlight, you know, you guys as a great sponsor for us, but also spotlight you guys, you know, and what you do for us racing fans and getting the content out there and just really want to hit on, you know, what the Racing Insiders is, is all about. Yeah, fantastic. I would love to, I'd love to talk to you about it. Perfect, man. Well, sounds good. We'll keep you around for one more segment here, but right now we're going to go to a quick commercial break and we'll be right back after this. What's going on, everybody? Mark here with Reaction Time Sports. Did you miss all the NASCAR action this weekend and looking to find out if your favorite driver won or parked it in the wall? Then look no further than the Racing Insiders. They are your insider source for everything NASCAR. ARCA, Trucks, Xfinity, and the Cup Series are all covered by their championship-driven team to bring you all the latest news, updates, and race recaps. They are Reaction Time Sports pit stop for all things NASCAR, and they should be yours too. Go to theracinginsiders.com or find them on Facebook and Twitter at The Racing Insiders. All right, well, welcome back here to Reaction Time Sports Podcast. Uh, we are on the other side of the commercial break here, and uh, with us again, uh, owner and lead editor of The Racing Insiders, Tim Shinyan. He is joining us here on the show. Uh, just on the other side of the break, we kind of went down everything that happened over the weekend with the uh, racing at Las Vegas. But now we're going to kind of turn the tides here, and we're going to uh, we're going to get talking on the racing insiders and everything that it is about, and we're going to highlight it. And um, you know, I'm sure if anybody who's listened to the podcast, we've been playing the commercial spots like crazy for these guys. These guys are definitely our first insider source for everything that we get for NASCAR when we're giving you the updates and definitely want to, uh, 
get them out there and give you guys a little more insight. And, you know, also, you know, if you haven't checked them out yet, persuade you to check them out and follow them and get all of your insider sources through them. So first of all, Tim, I know I've known you since high school. I know that you're an avid NASCAR fan. I, you were probably a NASCAR fan while you were just a little guy as well. You know, when did that all start? You know, like what, you know, for NASCAR, for you, when did it all begin for you? It's kind of very interesting. And I think this is kind of a, you know, it's kind of having a resurgence this way for a lot of people. I became a NASCAR fan by playing a NASCAR video game in the 90s. You know, I got a, what, a, back, what back in the day, I got a Nintendo 64 system for Christmas and I got a NASCAR video game. And I, you know, I thought it was very cool and I, I really enjoyed it. And then I found out the very first race I ever watched was the 2001 Daytona 500, which we all know how that ended. That was fairly tragic at that time. Right. Um, but it, it definitely, I, I, you know, I think it caught the world just by interest of, of what, you know, what's NASCAR all about, just kind of the, the interest of it. And I, I've watched pretty much every single race since the 2001 Daytona 500, you know, and I've gone back and I've watched old races and, just kind of want to learn as much about NASCAR as I can. I think you're seeing something very similar with the Ryan Newman crash. People who I know who might not even know that I'm a NASCAR fan and, and, and work, you know, work with NASCAR or within the NASCAR field say, Hey, did you, did, or, you know, I, I saw this wreck about Daytona at, you know, is that guy okay? So it, it definitely sparks some interest. So, I mean, you know, those, situations are obviously absolutely tragic but i think it actually brings people's attention to our sport and actually attracts more people into it as well absolutely i agree with you because i had i you know people were kind of doing the same thing to me at work that tuesday they were like oh man did you see that wreck you know i know you watch racing and whatnot but you know like what all happened can you kind of walk me through do you have a video that you can show me because i didn't get to see it live and you know what's the update on him i was like super worried about ryan and i was like whoa exactly exactly and and you know i believe it was just released here uh earlier today that uh you know nascar got an eight percent increase uh in viewership from the las vegas race the previous year the day after you know the race after the daytona 500 in in 2019 was Atlanta, and that's still up by seven percent so over 5.5 million viewers for sunday's las vegas race and it it was a good race for people to watch i think especially with nascar kind of turning a corner within the last year and a half um i think it's just going to continue to grow to be the biggest spectator sport in America. That's what I'm hoping it gets back to, man. I mean, it, it's it's been a very rough patch for NASCAR. I mean, if you're a diehard fan and you've stuck with it, obviously you've got your opinions, you agree with some things and you don't and whatnot, but at the same time, you, you've stuck through it thick or thin, but I also know there's fans out there that gave up on NASCAR and they wrote it off and they said, it ain't the good old boys beating and banging th- fenders anymore. I don't want anything to do with this. It's become too commercial and blah, 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 you know, but I think we are turning that corner and I do agree with you. I think, I think we're coming back. I really, really do. You can definitely see it in viewership and ticket sales, definitely building back. It's, it's difficult. And we kind of saw this in, in 2003, 2004 as well, where just a big group of drivers all retire within about two, three years within each other. Um, and I think we're kind of just right now at the tail end of that. We see Jimmy Johnson retiring this year. 
Thankfully, we saw Kevin Harvick re-sign a very extensive um, deal with, with Stuart Haas Racing. So I think we might be kind of coming to a close with that. But in, in 2003 through 2005, we know we saw Dave Marcus retire. We saw, obviously, the passion of Dale Earnhardt, Rusty Wallace, Dale Jarrett, Ricky Rudd, Mark Martin. A lot of those drivers kind of ended up closing out their career, and it was definitely kind of a slow transition at that time um, as well, you know, as people try to find different drivers. Jimmy will be, you know, he's going to be one of them guys that's kind of in that last group, like he said, like uh, Kevin Harvick signed that two-year extension. You know, Boyer's getting up there in age, but, I mean, I don't see, you know, I want to see him keep racing. He's actually one of my favorites. He's a character on and off the track and everything. But then you kind of come back after that, you know, you start kind of getting into that Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch range. I mean, Kyle, I mean, he's still young compared to, you know, some of the, you know, in my eyes, but he's one of the older veterans in the sport. He is, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, he's definitely, I guess, surpassed his halfway mark, I guess you can kind of say. I mean, he's been racing, you know, since the, you know, he started in the 2004 season 16 years ago um, on a part-time basis with with, with Hendrick Motorsports at the time. I definitely see him continuing for at least another six, seven years. I know he still wants to win several championships. He, he definitely is capable of doing that. You know, they say the driver's prime and everything, and you, you hit it on the head right there. I mean, he's 16 years into his racing career in NASCAR, and, you know, a lot of guys, they you know, if you're talking 16 years, they'd be almost to the back end of their career, but in, in my opinion, he's still in the prime of it. Yeah, and that's it's it's definitely very interesting, uh, and I've, I've talked with, uh, with Dave Moody from, from MRN about this, last fall a little bit when I was at Texas Motor Speedway. It's, it's very interesting where in the mid-2000s, we saw so many drivers get a, get their win their very first season. You know, we had um, Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon. I know he started in the 90s, but then, you know, Dylan Hart Jr. won in his first season. Joey Logano, Ryan Newman, Jamie McMurray, Carl Edwards, Kevin Harvick did. You could just kind of keep naming people. Greg Biffle, Martin Truex Jr., you know, they all just kind of won very, you know, very, you know, pretty, pretty much in their first season. And it took so long for drivers to be able to win in their first season where it was almost the jump from the Xfinity Series to the Cup Series was, even though the cars were so similar, just the, the expertise of some of these drivers so vastly different than they ever were before. Before Justin Haley won at Daytona, the three previous drivers that won in their very first season were – Chris Busher uh, at Pocono in the rain delay, and then you had you go all the way back to 2011. After that, Ryan Blaney. You go all the way back to 2008 with Juan Pablo Montoya. Oh wow! Those were the three drivers since you know in the last 12 years before Justin Haley won the rain shortened race at Daytona. But I mean, you had to go back that far when back then you know drivers used to be able to come in and win a couple of races their first year out so it's it, and it's going to be kind of curious to see especially the rookie class that we have in 2020 if they're going to be able to pull off a win here this year you got the big three you got you got c bell christopher bell you got um mm-hmm. cole custer you got tyler reddick and i even you know for me i i hate how people I, he's getting more you know notor- he's getting more exposure to it but i'm throwing john hunter nemechek right in there too uh, you know, he may yeah, not be in a top ride, but he did really good things in the Xfinity series last year. 
he did. And I mean, you, you know, uh, his results so far in, in 2020 have, have been pretty, pretty good so far, or at least running fairly well. Started, he started fifth at, at Las Vegas um, for a start. Both finishes, you know, were in the top 20. So not a bad run so far for that rookie. No, not at all. Not a, not one bit. I'm definitely on the John Hunter Nemechek uh, bandwagon for sure, especially when you got the top three and everybody's pulling for them. I'm pulling for John Hunter. You go get him, kid. Definitely. So now, you know, you've, like you said, you got the racing games. You, you know, obviously 2001 was a big, big year for NASCAR with so much storyline behind the tragedy of Dale Earnhardt Sr. and everything, and that was kind of all things that, you know, grasped your attention and got you involved in NASCAR, and clearly, you know, just, you know, with talking to you over the course of this podcast already, you know, I mean, you, you, you know, you got, you know what's going on and everything, so come now the <laughs> Racing Insiders, you know, where does this idea come from? Like, what got in your mind, got the old hamster turning up there, and you're just like, you know what, I want to get all this content out to people, and I want to share it with them, I want to write this up, and I want to, you know, get this information out to people. Like, where did this come from? In in 2002, I started uh, NASCAR Fantasy League, and, you know, I had a bunch of my friends in high school be a part of it, and I, I remember you being a part of it when, when we were in high school, um, and, you, you can check out the fantasy website at NASCAR fantasy racing. 17th season this year. We started in 2002. So, uh, you know, I was still kind of fresh to NASCAR and wanted to kind of wager with what my parents and some of my siblings, you know, being what was I about 13, 14 at the time. So, uh, you know, and it, it continues to grow every single year and we give great cash prizes based on our sponsors getting involved in fantasy and I think this is something really good that NASCAR is looking into when it when they're really promoting their fantasy and then also being able to allow sports betting. When you now watch a race, you're now invested in the race. It isn't just entertainment for you to watch. There's an investment that you've put into the race and I think that definitely draws, you know, entertainment from a different standpoint for people. Oh, so I kind of created the fantasy racing league. And, you know, so I always wanted to kind of see what was the latest in NASCAR and who was the best at this track and that track. And, you know, you just learn more and more about NASCAR as, as you go. I've created different NASCAR websites kind of in the mid two thousands um, with different people and kind of handed off those websites. Um, as I went, I tried to create little video series, uh, when I was in high school and college of different NASCAR videos, this was before YouTube. So I created them, but didn't really have an outlet to share with people. Now you see these, the same things that I did 15 years ago, people are doing now and having hundreds of thousands of subscribers should have stuck with it. Like but <laughs> You're just a few <laughs> years too early. You know, exactly. Exactly. It was before the YouTube page. So, yep. But yeah, so I've always followed it and, you know, it was roughly about five years ago, I, you know, I continued to follow and I'm like, there's so much information that I could gather just from different websites or from talking with people that just are not even really being shared throughout the NASCAR community. Because, you know, when you have your big websites like NASCAR.com, or NBC or Fox, they're going to show, they're going to talk about the main people, Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, 
people like that. The big but name guys. The diehard NASCAR fans really want to know people that are mid-pack or, you know, people who are just trying to scurry by so they could be in the race. They want to know about them just as much as Kyle Busch and Jimmy Johnson, sometimes even more because, you know, it's kind of a Cinderella story that everyone always enjoys hearing about, about the little guy trying to make it a NASCAR. There were so many stories that we found. And in 2012, Twitter really took off in the NASCAR world. You know, as everyone always says, that Daytona 500 where Brad Keselowski tweeted the, the crash when Juan Pablo Montoya ended up hitting the jet dryer. They call it the tweet heard around the NASCAR world. Yep. And he ended up gaining tens of thousands of subscribers and followers on Twitter that day. And NASCAR Twitter really just kind of blew up at that time. Just trying to follow Twitter and Facebook and so many different websites, I'm like, there's so much content that people are not seeing in a mainstream area. And I said, there's definitely a market for that. So uh, in 2016, we ended up starting what was called the NASCAR Insiders. We just had a Facebook and a Twitter page. Um, we posted updates. We ended up getting uh, a few thousand um, followers on Facebook from that. And we, we knew we were able to tell that there was definitely a, a, a good response from people. Um, so in uh, the beginning of the 2019 season, we established our website. We put, uh, we put our website uh, under my personal LLC license that I have um, because I'm a, I'm a television producer throughout the Twin Cities in Minnesota. So we put it under my specific banner and then we, took away the NASCAR name of it because we were not licensed by NASCAR at the time, so we called it the Racing Insider. And we just kind of continued to kind of promote some of the different things we had. We had a very basic website throughout most of the first half of 2019. You know, it continued to build, and uh, NASCAR definitely noticed of some of the different uh, content that we were providing and, this, you know, the strong popularity of our website. Um, when we were at Texas Motor Speedway in November, we were able to sit down with NASCAR and we signed a, a NASCAR media um, credentials and be a, and to be a part of the NASCAR media network um, for photos and video rights and um, and everything like that. So we were we were able to kind of sign that contract with them in November and we were able to build a new website with new content on it. It has been continuing to grow. That is so cool. That is an awesome story to hear. Just knowing that in that short period of time, this is something that's been going back four to five years, like you said, and it started under a different name. You had the Facebook, the Twitter, the page and everything. And like you said, you were able to gather, you know, that information that you were getting that stuff all to these people and that it was being noticed. And then the opportunity of a lifetime basically comes around for you and whatnot. And like you said, you got to deal with the, with NASCAR to go ahead and partner up with each other. And next thing you know, you're kind of just taking off. There's definitely a, a strong balance right now, just kind of almost in media in general, where everyone says fake news. And that's because anyone can be a news producer right now. I mean, you know, anyone can disguise themselves as a news producer. The fact that we ended up working very closely with NASCAR to be, to become part of the NASCAR digital media network um, was very important to our credibility. Um, and NASCAR feels like we're very credible at the different types of stories that we write that they give us access to the media content that they share with, you know, other big platforms such as NBC and Fox and 
USA Today or the New York Times, uh, they kind of put us in that group to be able to be a part of the NASCAR digital media network. That is so cool, man. That just goes to show that all that, the you know, that, that idea that you had that, you know, just even starting with your fantasy league all the way back in 2002 and just continued work and going after it and having all those different ideas. And it just, you know, that hard work got you to where you are today. And, you know, like I said, here at the podcast, we use the racing insiders for getting our information for what we do on our NASCAR recaps and everything. Um, I know you guys have a very good following on Facebook as well. You guys are pretty close to, I think, 5,000 followers on Facebook. And uh, I think you had just mentioned to me the other day, you guys had like almost 50,000 views in one week. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, just being in Daytona alone, we we have about 5,000 followers. However, we average close to 25,000 post reaches in a week. That's huge. So followers versus, you know, post reaches yep. are definitely very different. We are, we, you know, something that you kind of see a lot of Facebook or Twitter pages do, they just want to try to get followers and likes, and that's what's most important to them when you know we got as high as 10,000 followers but then when we started looking at our followers we found out oh, we had a lot of fake accounts and people were spamming our other followers yep. so we ended up trying to block you know some of those people yeah our, our, our followers are kind of lower than what than what I think that we actually reach out to um, you know since we've started the the new website um, in January I mean we're, we're averaging over a hundred thousand views to different articles and pages on our website. So um, we're definitely getting a strong response and people are able to find us uh, fairly easily with the name of the racing insiders.com. That is awesome, man. That is so cool. And that's actually kind of a little bit of a learning curve for us here at the podcast going into episode five. I learned uh, learned a little something new there when it comes to the old Facebook stats. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because as you know, myself being in, in television and, primarily sports television most of my life um the media mindset changes constantly almost on a monthly basis where you almost have to evolve your strategic planning when it comes to websites or podcasts or or anything else podcasts are obviously as you know just absolutely blowing up right now and so many people want to watch that or listen to it actually um you know Five years ago, would people sit down and listen to a podcast as much? Probably not as much. Um, but I think podcasts are getting much more popular and are here to stay. But in the next five years, there's going to be the next big new thing that we don't really know what it's going to be yet. But just trying to always stay on top of that stuff, that's kind of what gets difficult in, in the media field. And as a producer for sports throughout Minnesota, and uh, radio and different stuff all my life being able to kind of launch this type of a program definitely comes secondhand it's 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 something that i'm experienced with and kind of touching on that too you know kind of like you're you know you're looking down the road in the next five to six years and trying to stay on top of things i mean you know you like you said you kind of retooled your website just in 2019 now that you have partnered with nascar and everything um, what you guys have on there right now is incredible content and everything's a great read and you know there's it's very informative what we need to know from a fan standpoint and everything is there other ideas kind of in the back of your head that you might be able to share with us that maybe you guys are thinking about for expanding the racing insiders you know outside of maybe the website or on the website itself we do have um, a, a YouTube page and we were kind of we, we started doing 
daily updates when it came to YouTube. However, when we were trying to work with NASCAR to get our media credential license, copyright's a very big thing when it comes to media just in general, let alone it gets violated a lot when you have a lot of these fan websites and stuff like that. There was a big NASCAR fan website that was fairly popular. I I, I won't name them, but uh, they got busted for copyright just the other day and their entire site got shut down, which is why it was very important to us to be able to establish that relationship and to be able to have all of the content that we share on our website completely approved by NASCAR before we use it. As we continue to grow, um, the Race and Insiders, we primarily, when we created it um, in 2016, was to follow the insiders of NASCAR, some of the news reporters, to be able to follow them and then bring that information that they have to our website and the viewer. Well, over the last year and after establishing that relationship with NASCAR, us ourselves are able to be NASCAR insiders. We've been going to the different races. We went to we went to Daytona, obviously. We're still working out. We're going to try to get to Atlanta. We'll, we'll be able to see that. Um, I already got my uh, my flight booked today to go to uh, Bristol in the summertime. Oh, jealous! Um, I'll be at the Iowa. Uh, I'll, I will be at the Iowa races. Um, I will be at Indianapolis this oh. year. We're trying to work out um, the Coca Cola 600. I'm going to try to get to that one. Oh man. Um, there, there's a lot of really cool opportunities, and um, I have two people that that, that helped me out um, from the with the racing insiders, and they've helped me out from the beginning. Um, their name is Robert and Dustin. Uh, Dustin kind of does some of our promotional um, aspects. Uh, he's based out of New York, um, so you know he's able to kind of cover some of the stuff that happens um, throughout New York, such as like Watkins Glen or Dover, just kind of the whole New England area. Yep, that upper um, northeast. Yep, yep, exactly. And then we have Robert, who's based right out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and we brought him on board last summer. He's been a tremendous help in, in helping us launch our brand-new website that we did this year. He's been to the NASCAR Hall of Fame a number of times and actually has that face-to-face interaction with some of these race teams to be able to get some of the news that we own, that sometimes I can only get when I'm at the races. As we kind of continue to build our brand we have strong people in different areas throughout the company to be able to continue to build throughout the 2020 season. That is, that is awesome, man. I, that, that makes me so happy just hearing that stuff for you. And like you said, and this is stuff that, you know, this is all kind of behind the scenes stuff that people, you know, they don't, they don't know this stuff. And I think it's cool that you, that you brought that up and, you know, put this on the podcast and everything. I mean, there's a lot more that goes, to, goes into it than just, you know, all right, I'm pulling up my website, da, 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 type little thing up and boom, submit. And it's right there. No, there's actually a lot that goes into doing something like you're doing or even doing something like I'm doing. It's not just a couple clicks and a few little attachments here and boom, there you go. Yeah. I mean, right. Exactly. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are within NASCAR that are on a, uh, on a team or part of the media or anything like that. And NASCAR fans are diehard fans and they want to know, they want to know information constantly. Um, I talked to uh, Jay Azamiak, and he's part of JSP. I talked to him, so it's probably about a year and a half ago. It was right before he split. He ended up splitting from ESPN, and he said, people who visit our website, visit our website, 
approximately 20 times a day because they want to know what what news is happening constantly in NASCAR. And we try to be able to feed that constantly. And that's something, you know, I don't want to say I stole it from JT, but you can kind of see that his formula works. We have a lot of different content than JC where we try to work with the different teams and stuff to be able to find information instead of just try to follow the media members. Just that, that constant information and trying to find certain times to be able to promote that content to our viewers definitely blows up. And I think we get a lot of followers from that. That's a great way to go, you know, a great way to go to, uh, to approach it as well. You know, it definitely has gotten you guys out there and, you know, like you said, now you've partnered with NASCAR and you get to do all of these experience. Like, uh, like you just said, you were down in Daytona for the 500. I've yet to experience going to the Daytona 500 and you got to do it as a media member. And I'm sure that's a whole different experience than what a fan probably sees. And you got to see the underbelly of everything going on down there. What was it like? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Daytona was fantastic. It was, it was my first time, um, being, um, at the Daytona 500 or actually at the, at the speedway itself I've, I've done a lot of television down there um for my personal job um different sporting events and stuff but that was the first time um i was at the daytona 500 and there's kind of you know everyone always says that when you go through that tunnel pretty amazing coming out to the track and just seeing this huge racetrack around you and it was it was very cool because uh we were not able to be there during the clash and during qualifying but we were there all day during the duels and we talked to a lot of drivers and crew members and stuff in the garage so that day that was kind of our very first time really being in the garage we kind of did some stuff with with nascar at texas motor speedway last fall and at some of the iowa races last year but we were not necessarily full you know full-on credentials with nascar at that time we were able to experience that at, at, at daytona the drivers and the crew chiefs and everything they were they were all very nice and you know there was definitely some you know some excitement in the air being at the Daytona 500, 500 weekend. And uh, I, I learned more about different drivers and different staff than I, than I ever have um, ever before. And I following Daytona, I probably could have written 50 different articles on different news and information that I learned about, about different drivers and different things that are coming up. And I'm slowly getting there. I, I ended up writing an article uh, as I as I mentioned earlier in your show, I wrote an article today um, about Ty Dillon possibly looking for a different ride come come the 2021 season. And those are just different tidbits that you kind of learn as you go throughout throughout, throughout that weekend. Right, yeah, definitely. Like you, like you said, it's it was it was a learning experience for you as well going down there, and I'm I'm sure the nerves were a little high as well doing this for the first time. You know, I'm sure that was, you know, probably you're like, all right, man, this is where I'm doing I'm doing what I've dreamt about doing for so long, and I'm finally here doing it. I mean, I can only imagine what was going through your mind at the that whole time you were down there. There there were a few different nerves saying, you know, because you you can kind of see on Twitter and stuff that the NASCAR media people are such a tight fan base, you know, or just like a, such, such a tight group, you know, trying to go to Daytona, especially during media day and the duels and the Daytona 500. I, I was kind of concerned of who's this guy coming in trying to interview, but there, there are thousands of reporters for the Daytona 500. So, you know, I ended up blending in and, and everyone was extremely nice about it. Um, it was it was very cool. I was able to talk to, to Steve Phelps for a little bit, um, Steve O'Donnell, who's you know the president of NASCAR and the 
you know, the director of competition, you know, they asked who I was with and, you know, they were very, you know, very happy to see me there. So, I mean, I, I was welcomed with open arms from the NASCAR community. And I think that kind of just shows the NASCAR community drivers and owners and crew members and officials and other media members just in a whole. And I think that's why so many people enjoy NASCAR and want to learn more about drivers and stuff beyond racing, because I, I think it's so interesting for people. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like you just said it right on the head there. I mean, there's so much behind the scenes and that's what you guys are going to get. You're going to get those insider stories and bring that out to us, the race fans, so we can get that insider knowledge. That being said, you know, during media day and just being down down there for the time that you were, you know, um, out of everybody you interviewed, who was your favorite? I would have to say Matt DiBenedetto was, it was a very fun, it was a very fun interview. He was super excited to be in the Wood Brothers ride. I mean, you even saw that probably after the Las Vegas race, his, his post-race interview, just being so grateful for being there and, and being able to do that some of the lesser known drivers who I was actually able to really kind of stop and have a conversation with. Uh, I talked with Natalie Decker for a little bit. Um, I talked to some of the car owners, uh, Rob Kaufman, who is the president of race team Alliance, who ended up signing a new deal wall in Daytona. So I was able to talk to him extensively about that and about how, you know, he's also part owner of Chip Ganassi racing. Um, I was able to talk with Ryan Priest for, for a little bit. I was able to talk, with some of the celebrities that were there, I was able to talk with Seamus from the WWE or Dave, I'm going to butcher his last name, Pudvortney or whatever from, from, from Barstool Sports. I was able to talk to him for a few minutes. So um, a lot of the stuff is kind of within passing. So you only talk for a minute or two and that's if you really schedule time out. But uh, you, can, you, you can kind of learn quite a bit um, in, in that amount of time. Uh, yeah, I mean, still, still experiences that a lot of people can say that they're never going to get. They're never going to get to, you know, do something like that. I mean, like you're making me jealous on the other line, man. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely like smiling ear to ear for you right now. And I'm just like, ah, man, I want to do that. <laughs> well, not, well, now that I have credentials for races, we got, we have to get you out to one of them and, and uh, give you the full uh, credential treatment. Oh man, that would be I'd be like a kid in a candy store if I was down there doing something like that with you, man. I oh, that would be that would make oh man, that's probably like I'm, that's probably a bucket list thing for me. I'd be checking that one off. There you go. Sweet man. Well, you know, you did a lot of interviewing down there. You got to talk to Maddie D. You know, you said that was a good one. Is there a driver that you wish you would have gotten a comment from, but you just you know it didn't work out? I mean, is there one a couple opportunities that you might have missed? You know, with maybe like a Kyle Busch or a Kevin Harvick. I didn't. I didn't really. I wasn't completely sure what to expect going into Daytona. I wasn't really sure what type of response I was going to get. As I mentioned, I, I follow it so closely and follow all the news and social media things. I mean, if I, if I came across a driver or an owner, I would know, I, I would know what they're working on in the meantime or, or different little tidbits that a lot of people would not really know what to ask them. So um, whenever, whenever someone, you know, came across me or I was able to, to find someone in the garage, I was able to talk to them for you know a minute or two, but uh, nothing really set in stone of the people that I really needed to talk to. But uh, it was it, it was a fantastic experience. I would say I probably talked to roughly fifteen to twenty Cup Series drivers um, and quite a few owners and media members and stuff like that as well. 
That's so cool, man. That's so cool. Like I said, you just keep making me jealous every time you just keep talking about it. I'm not going to lie. I'm <laughs> super jealous of you right now, man. Um, being down there in Daytona, obviously, you know, if you've listened to podcasts and obviously the news, social media and everything, everybody already knows that uh, the Ryan Newman crash and the severity of it and, you know, our thoughts and prayers continue to be with him. But, you know, luckily enough, he was able to walk out of the hospital under his own power, the beautiful picture of him holding his two girls hand in hand, walking out of there. You know, he's still got some uh, a head injury that they are monitoring and there is no timetable sit on his return. But um, you were down there, man. And, you know, you were up in the stands. What uh, what's your viewpoint and your thoughts on the whole Ryan Newman crash? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, we were down in the in the garage area and everything during the first day of the Daytona 500. Once the race gets started, the media members just kind of just stand around. There's there's not a whole lot to report. Some people post race updates on 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 Facebook and and Twitter and stuff like that. We we usually do not do that just because we can't guarantee that for every single race that yeah. we would be able to provide that. So we try not to provide it for one and not the other. Um, so it was kind of just standing around watching the race and it was it was fantastic racing. But then the second day after we got completely rained on, <laughs> we ended up uh, we, we ended up going up in the stands. Um, my wife was with me uh, for this race. So we both went up in the stands um, to be able to watch the race, to be able to kind of see the action a little bit more. Um, it was a fantastic race. We were right at the exit of Pit Road um, up in the stands. So we saw the Ryan Newman crash firsthand. And uh, it, it looked bad, but you didn't really understand the severity of it. Um, until they did show the replay. A lot of people thought, well, as soon as they roll over this car, he'll be, you know, they'll cut him out and, and they'll pull him out of the car. It, it was very, it was kind of an eerie feeling. I think a lot of people thought he was severely injured if, you know, if still alive. Yep. Um, it was, it was, it was interesting where, where our, where we were standing in the stands, not one person left after the race. Everyone was there for a good 40 minutes until that ambulance completely drove out of sight. No one left the stand at all. Everyone was watching what was happening over there. No one was even focused on Benny Hamlin winning on the front stretch or anything like that. You could kind of, I was able to kind of see, you know, the victory land celebration and the president of Daytona trying to do, give him the trophy. He kind of just see even the president constantly looking over to see how's the crash, you know, the crew members are looking over. So it, it was unfortunate for Denny Hamlin, some of the really good drivers that ended up finishing in the top five and 10 during that race. I didn't really get that, that focus. But uh, after Ryden was transferred to the hospital, the, the crowd started clearing out. There was not a word in the stand at all and including leaving. You could probably think, I mean, what, about 110,000 people at the Daytona 500 the first day. Over 90,000 people came back the second day. And if you could just imagine having 90,000 people clearing out of the stadium, not saying a word to each other, it was a very eerie feeling, and I think a lot of people were expecting it not to be good. After we left the the stadium, uh, we ended up going back back into the garage area. A lot of the drivers were packing up. A lot of the media members who were waiting in day, who were waiting in victory lane actually left and 
followed the ambulance two miles down the street to the Halifax Medical Center and sent up in front of the hospital for, for Ryan Newman. So it was just, it was a very interesting two hours until we ended up getting that update from, from Steve O'Donnell on the condition of Ryan Newman. And, and I think there was a big sigh of relief after that. You know, you being there and kind of being in the middle of all of it, you know, for, you know, and that all translated back to back home, you know, for me watching the race and my wife was with me watching the race and we both saw it happen. And, you know, I was, you know, I was texting some buddies and everything and it, it, it was, it was the same exact thing here back in Minnesota for, you know, us and you saw it live and kind of seeing how things are playing out and how Gordon and uh, Joy are, you know, handling it on the Fox broadcast and everything. And you could just, you just knew something wasn't right. Um, you could see it in Gordon's face and his voice when he was talking. Same thing with uh, Mike Joy. He was the same way. It just wasn't good. And it just, to me, it had that eerie Earnhardt Sr. feel. You just, you didn't know. It, you did not know. Right. And there was people texting me that were like, is this guy going to make it? And I told him, I was like, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I, I talked to Ryan Newman for, for a few minutes. Thursday before the duels, and I, I, I think I think that's kind of what came to my mind is, you know, I I talked to him at Texas when I was there in November, and I talked to him at Daytona, and you know he was he, he he's always been a you know a very popular driver that I've always really enjoyed watching race, um, and it was just it was just kind of a very silent silent exit from the stadium and and different things like that. I ended up seeing like the hauler pull away and, and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was very unfortunate, but very, very fortunate, fairly minor injuries. It sounds like it sounds like he ended up uh, retreating from, from the crash and, and being able to move on. One of the, one of the things that was kind of interesting and why I think we ended up um, from the racing insider standpoint, we ended up really kind of blowing up our social media that night is, the fact that a media member was actually in the stands watching the race, we were right, the crash was right in front of us. Yep. So we were able to get photos and video that no other media outlets were able to get. And, uh, you know, we snapped a few photos of, you know, that you know, um, kind of a, a black shield or anything while they pulled them out of the car. You know, we shared it on our social media platform that got, hundreds of thousands of views and I saw our I saw our photo get copied on major news publications and, and different things like that, um, that 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 we were posting and kind of giving updates for I, I have to say especially some of the big some of the big media outlets and major people that it followed through NASCAR they did not they did not jump to expectations no they did not say oh yeah you know we heard he's okay or, was, oh, yeah, you know, he's not doing okay. I mean, I think everyone had to wait, and that was the longest wait for everybody, and I ugh. think that's why a lot of people kind of, you know, followed us because we were able to say, you know, they cut him out of the car, and now he's in the ambulance, and kind of be able to follow up with those photos. I think that's why we ended up kind of getting a very strong following that night, just alone from that post. 
Right. No, definitely. It. Uh, you guys had a very front row view to everything that was going on uh, post race with the Ryan Newman situation. You know, I, I, you know, and I can even attest to it myself. I, I messaged you and I was like, you know, what's going on down there, man? Like, I was just, I was curious and like, like the weight was killing me. And I was like, well, I know Tim's down there. I wonder how involved he is with it. So I was like, I'm just going to send him a quick message. And if he gets back to me, great. You know, he's probably busy and you did, which I really do appreciate. But you, like you said, you had a front row view to all of it. The stands being silent, no one leaving until that ambulance was clear out of sight. And then just the silence of 90,000 people leaving a stadium. Just, it was amazing. The safety that NASCAR has, you know, has never been stronger than it is now. We have the next gen come, the next gen car coming, and I think that's going to even, you know, be able to bring more safety to. And um, yeah, we're at, I think we're all just all thankful that the safety equipment worked how it was supposed to. Absolutely. It's a big testament to how far these cars have come in safety, whether it's NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, NHRA, dirt track racing. I mean, it, it, it's a definite testament to how far the safety has come on with everything, whether it's personal safety, you know, with the Hans device or just how these things are built nowadays and uh, definitely continued uh, thoughts and prayers with Ryan, even though he posted the uh, just today that he was out doing some fishing therapy. So clearly he's doing better, but just thoughts and prayers on a speedy recovery for Ryan and uh, hope to see him back at the track very soon. I have a feeling we will see him before you know it. That's what we're all hoping for. You kind of touched on it really quick, but, uh, you know, kind of closing thing out here. Uh, you said next race potentially going down to do some work. Is Atlanta potentially? Or you do have it booked? Potentially, yeah. Um I, I don't know if it'll be myself or if it will be Robert, who, who, who as I mentioned, kind of does a lot of the work in the Charlotte area for us. Um, I know I know he will be going to Richmond and Martinsville and Darlington. So we're gonna we're gonna try to get almost half of the season covered that we're at the track, and I'm sure we're gonna hope to kind of expand on that come the come the 2021 season. One of the big things that we are very persistent on is you see some of these other NASCAR pages that just have websites in general that just are almost like, I don't know how to, how to word it, but just like throw up advertising. There's just so much advertisement where you're just trying to read an article, but there's a political ad popping up or you need this type of medical pill type of ad. And that's one thing that we're very that we're very persistent on that our website's not going to be an advertisement tool to anybody. We're never going to make it an advertisement tool. So we have to try to earn money through different sponsors to be able to get to some of these races through some of our YouTube views and different things like that. The races that we have been selecting so far this year are kind of selective on what, on, on what we've, what we've earned through the racing insiders and, and, Races that are potentially close by to 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 our three main people to be able to get to some of those. So. Absolutely, it's all got to make sense for it's got to make sense for everybody to work to work out, especially when on top of that, you all um you know all three of you guys probably have regular normal day jobs that you're just still doing as well. I mean, it's a, it's got to be able to work for everybody. Definitely, yeah, yeah, that's very true. And and being a, a producer in the sports industry, it kind of works out pretty good where. You know, sometimes I can find an event in Texas to do, and it just lands, just happens to land on the Texas weekend like it did in November. So uh, it kind of 
we kind of work out some of those deals once in a while. So that'll work out pretty good. Heck yeah, man. Well, I tell you what, this has been very informative for me. I definitely found out some things that uh, I was not aware of that I found out from today's podcast. Um, also, just all good content, man. All good stuff. I, I'm just so happy that you're able to finally get onto the show and, you know, get your insight and get the racing insiders out, you know, the racing insiders out there even more now. You know, it's another outlet through the podcast, and we're more than happy to do that for you. Um, you know, I just, you know, I know you're busy and everything, but definitely hope that you uh, definitely want to come back in the near future and keep talking racing. Yeah, definitely. Um, of, of course, I'll be. I'll be happy to answer any questions you have and, and continue to give everyone everyone updates. I think this weekend is going to be a very exciting, a very exciting weekend, and uh, we're going to be writing an article here shortly on on how the NASCAR community is coming together um, to pay tribute to Kobe Bryant uh, this coming weekend. We have Ryan Blaney and William Byron who have uh, paint schemes um, of the of the purple and yellow colors that Kobe Bryant. Uh, ended up representing a lot of the drivers are have special decals or special shoes or gloves that they're going to be wearing. So we know that the auto club infield grass is going to be painted and with logos and stuff like that of, of, of Kobe Bryant's colors. So that's something just to kind of keep an eye on and, and kind of see how the sports world in general all comes together this weekend. It'll be, it'll be a pretty cool experience. It'll be a very cool experience, especially with two sports intertwining. It'll also be another emotional weekend just because, you know, the, the, the tributes and the honoring of both Kobe, Gigi, and the other victims in that crash are, uh, you know, still feeling, still being felt around the world and everything. And, you know, there's still an outro, uh, outreach for all that. And like you said, now NASCAR is jumping on board and doing their doing their part as well to uh, honor all of those that were lost in that uh, tragedy. So it will be an exciting weekend. Uh, hopefully good racing, like I said, emotional as well with all the honoring going on. But it'll it'll be a good weekend. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yep. It'll it'll be a fantastic weekend. And I think I'll only have two more weeks possibly until I'm in Atlanta. So uh, it should be pretty exciting. It'll be, you'll be here before you know it, man. You'll be back down there doing your thing, doing what you love to do. Definitely. So, but definitely, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, like I seriously, I can't say I cannot thank you enough. Uh, definitely your insight and everything you got stirring up there in the brain of yours with the NASCAR is definitely a good content for us here on the podcast. Um, and then on top of that too, you know, you guys jumping on as a sponsor, we're five episodes in and, you know, we couldn't ask for a better sponsor, especially, you know, since we're, you know, sports related, but like, you know, we touch on the NASCAR and we touch on the dirt track racing side of things. So definitely good to have an affiliate with, uh, with that type of a background. So thank you for that. Not a problem. Very happy to be a part of it. Well, you sponsoring us, is there any, anybody that you need to shout out there? Any plugs you want to go for with the racing insiders? You want to, you want to give them a quick shout out? I just want to encourage everyone to kind of check us out here at the racinginsiders.com. Uh, we post new articles daily, ones that you will not see anywhere else, different stories um, that we find within the, within the depths of NASCAR. Uh, and thank you to, to everyone who, who helps write articles for us, um, Robert and uh, Charlotte and uh, Dustin up in New York. Um, yeah, we, we work hard to be able to give you content to be able to, to to share with your friends around the around the water cooler great way to put it man definitely that's what it is water cooler talk for sure well thank you so much again for coming on tim that uh you know can't thank you enough um 
ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Uh, Tim Shinyan with the Race and Insiders, uh, owner, lead editor, your number one insider source for all things NASCAR. Thank you again for so much for coming on. Um, that's going to wrap it up for today's show here. Um, for us here at Reaction Time Sports, thank you again for tuning in to Episode 5. If you're looking to find us on our social media outlets, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Reaction Time Sports. If you want to give us a follow on Twitter, it is Reaction Time Sports at RTS Podcast 1. You can find us on there. Drop a like, drop a follow, drop a comment. Anything you want to answer, we'll answer it on the show. You want a shout-out, we'll give you a shout-out. That's how open we are. We want to be to the fans and interact with the fans. Thank you again. Episode 5, Reaction Time Sports. See you later.